0: Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay and Krista. Good Here to we are. Have you with us. Truly always good to have you with us. If you have recently found us, welcome. This is a place where hopefully you feel empowered to just be yourself, learn, grow, get curious, because that's what we do. That's what we do. And we're glad to have you. I know
0: there's a lot of options with podcasts, so feels good to have you here at almost 30. We've been doing this for like six years now. And Mm -hmm. we talk about all of the things related to spirituality and wellness and self-development. And this one, is right up our alley talking True. about power animals with Allison and Charles. And I got the chance to sit down with Allison when I was in Austin a few weeks ago. So I did a few rounds of interviews when I was in Austin visiting and I was so grateful I got to meet mm. her in person. We've known each other. We've been at events together. We were at Pop Sugar. She's friends with a lot of our friends. But to have like that intimate time with her was wonderful.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for you all to listen. And um, I got a sneak peek at the episode, but I, yeah, I think that to meet people who are way showers in the way that she is, you know, and mm-hmm. she's one of those people. Um, we're actually good friends with her uh, partner, Luke Story, who's just a true gem and delight. Dude, I love
0: him. <laughs> He's, He's one best. of my favorite people. He's the best. I, lo- I still loved when we... We did an interview with Luke years ago and we showed up, Lindsay and I, something happened. I don't know why we were late. Yes. We're not usually late and we came to his house. We were, I think we were 45 minutes late.
1: Yeah, something crazy.
0: And he was like, no, I love when people are late. And yeah. now I like take that on. I'm like, I actually kind of like, he's like, no, I love when people are late. And he still had to set up. Like, it was like an hour and 15 well, minutes. Yeah, we spent another and, hour setting up. Yes, we spent another hour <laughs> setting up. And it was just so him and so true. And now I'm like that. I'm like, I kind of like when people are like 10, 15 minutes late. Mm-hmm. Just gives you a little break. Was he there
1: when you did the interview?
0: Yes, he came. He, he came. Did. He brought okay. the pup
1: cookie. Aww. So they have a dog cookie. Fucking love cookie. We we met Luke when he was not partnered. Yes. And so it's kind of cool. So what was, what did you feel? Like, what did you feel from Luke? It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's just,
0: yeah, they had, we'll talk about it on the episode. Um, I asked Allison about it, but... They had been in each other's spaces for a while. They had been friends and they sort of connected at the right time. And Luke is such a great example of someone that is like just no ego. He's really versed in the masculine and feminine. He's always willing to like, Mm. I don't know, just like do the work in that way. And he's such an example of like a man that is truly integrated enough to like see his woman shine. And I just love their chemistry. It's Mm, so cute. I'm so happy for them. Yes. Love that.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited to talk about power animals today. So she has a book coming out. um, And I feel like in the last couple of years, I've really had like this barrage of like animal symbolism. And only recently have I really kind of dug into it. And especially with her book, it's been super supportive. But I think more than ever, because I'm in a city, I really take those signs more seriously because I don't see as much nature, say as someone who's, you know, in a more rural, richly nature-esque place. So when I see my like monarch butterfly, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I've had a lot of dreams with black jaguars, one a few months ago, and then I've had some recently, just looking up that symbolism, like just makes so much sense and it's pretty wild. I I guess, you know, people can say like, okay, I see it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of general. I can apply it to my life, but I don't know. I just take these signs so much more seriously for some reason. I feel like there is like that oneness feeling of this spiritual support system, Um, whether it's plants, animals, the energy of a land, like there's just something to it rather than just say our ancestors and spirit guides. Mm -hmm. It's like there is something to kind of the natural aspect of things that is also really supporting us.
0: Yeah. In this episode, I... Talk to her a little bit about with power animals, I've always felt like a little shame because I feel like we don't treat animals in the right way and we're so just destructive to the planet. So for me, it's actually been hard to tap into power animals because I feel like every time I think of them, I feel sad, <laughs> which isn't probably what what they want us to feel, but that's how I feel. And I just feel like it's hard for me to separate that feeling of like deep sorrow and how we've completely destroyed the planet in the way that we interact with animals and like wanting to and then wanting to leverage them for their power mm-hmm. and their energy it feels weird to me so i've had experiences with animals for sure and i think that mostly in my dream state too but it's been something that like in my waking life i kind of avoid as like a practice because i felt so much shame so that's sort of like something i'm working on too with power animals is to just kind of let it all go mm-hmm. have do, do you have ones that show up or I had black Jaguar when I had my um my really hard shadow year that came through, but it's mostly killer whales, whales, and anything in the water mm-hmm. It's always water, so killer whales and sharks too mm-hmm.
2: so it's That's like
0: powerful. always aquatic it's always like very deep it's always like very psychic, and I've probably had that for most of my life, and it was scary with sharks until I was able to get a grip on my um just my power I guess in the spiritual realm, so now sharks aren't scary whales aren't scary, killer whales aren't scary, but it is something that I feel like has been present in my life. I just haven't tapped into it as much as I could
1: mm-hmm. yeah i've I've been trying to just kind of sometimes my mind will get in the way when I get like a a sign like I saw my monarch this morning, and I was like, oh, like I can just like be with this little being and receive the message and not overthink it. I think we can be like, oh, wait, what does this mean? And I should look it up and I should, you know, kind of analyze this. But like, there is a very specific for me, like a very specific message when I see these things. And it's not necessarily what I'm going to find on Google. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It's like what you, you make it of your own. And I was DMing with someone who was like, I'm seeing 3332. What does it mean? And I was like, for me, it just means like God's saying hi. Mm-hmm. That's same with a rainbow. It's like, I'm protected. And I think it just means something different for everyone. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it could mean like your guides are saying hi. It could mean God's telling you you're on the right path. Like every sign and symbol can really, and should mean whatever you interpret to be it to be. So there can be guideposts through books like Power Animals, but it's also like really using your own intuition
1: to yeah. feel into it. Yeah. Because that's the whole point of it, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. And Allison's been doing this for- Yeah, a long time. A long time.
0: Which is cool with her book because that was another cool thing too, is she's like, I had an entirely different book written. I I forget the topic or maybe she wants to keep it under wraps. This one just like came through super quickly. Mm. And the story of her book is really kismet with the illustrations and the person that drew them. And we'll talk a lot about that in there, but this book feels like exactly what she should be doing. And yeah. it's really cool because she's talked about this period of like, sort of gathering information and data about who she wants to be and how she wants to show up in the world and then really coming out with this book. Mm-hmm. And it's felt like that from the outside mm-hmm. where it felt like this book was the perfect book for her and makes so much sense. And I'm so happy for her. And it's, for me, such an example of really just continuing to like follow your path, however it may lead and really listening to all the cues and signs and and going when called to the destiny that you really seek. Mm-hmm.
1: And she's in Austin now with Luke. Mm -hmm. How... how, And they're happy. And they're so happy. They love life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're such like
1: peanuts. So
0: So we'll go into what power animals are, um, her relationship with power animals, how we can tap in. We give some power animals as examples. Um, We talk about how they can connect with you. So dream state is definitely one of them. And then um, we talk about love and her relationship with Luke. So um, they're very conscious relationship- how that feels, what are some practices that they do and how they've um, done so much work to get to this place where they were ready for each other, which is beautiful. Yeah,
1: so beautiful. So if this episode just really, really hits for you, make sure you pass it along to friends or family who you think would benefit from listening. That's always just so appreciated. And we just really appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, If you're called and love the show, we would love for you to write a review. And for those of you that just want to learn more about Almost 30 and the community, uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to almost30.com. And we just, you know, every week are just really having a conversation with you, providing value. It might be a heartfelt note from Krista and I or one of us and just really pouring into you all there. And you can just stay up to date on, you know, everything from almost 30... uh, I appreciate
0: you. Yeah, and the book is Animal Power. It's a hundred animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. And I really love this book because it's like a coffee table book. So you can really leaf through and um, figure out how to use power animals, how to connect with them. There's meditations in there. And then there is like the description of each animal and the energy that it brings forth and the messages that it brings forth. So it's really like easy to read. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it's one of those where in the morning, say you have a dream about a hummingbird. You can just tap in and be like, what is that exact dream? So it's available for pre-order now. And there's also bonuses um, that are included as well. You can do a guided shamanic journey with Allison to meet a power animal that you have. And then there's a lot of journal entries that she provides. So the book is incredible. It's just so good. And we're so happy to have Allison on. Yeah. Thank
1: you, Allison. You're the best. Uh, you can learn more at AllisonCharles.com as well. Follow us on Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. I'm at Lindsay Simsic And I'm at It's Krista. We will see you on the other side. Stay soon. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development, find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Krista and I throughout the years, we are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher we're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the Crystalline Grid, and Higher Realm Support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast And Krista and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership Opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership. But head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp. Space dash (laughs) camp. Say that 30 times. almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th. I, I cannot believe
0: what my cats have done for me. It's so weird. I'm like, wow, this is like the instant vibration razor. Yeah. Like every time you see them, I'm like, and I didn't know I grew up with animals, but when they're, you know, in quotes, your own, it is like such a deep love. It's almost scary at times. Yes. You're like, I'm like, I keep telling my husband, I'm like, we only have 20 more years, maybe. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> I think about death with my cat like every single day. Yes. And I make sure I tell him at least 20 times that you know how much mommy loves right?
0: Yes, I'm always like to my cats, I'm like,
2: I appreciate the uniqueness
0: of your expression. (laughs) I say this like crazy (laughs) as shit to them. I'm like, you can be yourself when you're around me, like all of this stuff. But it's funny that you say about the death contemplation because I was um, reading this like about this monk, like how a monk spends their morning and one of the first things they do is contemplate death.
2: Mm. Like
0: they say they wake up and they actually don't move from bed. Mm. They stay still in bed. And one of the first things beyond after gratitude is contemplating death.
2: I think that's so rich and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. The death portal is one that recently I got more initiated and and led into Mm. and not to sound bizarre but it really is glorious in there. Mm. There's a texture and a richness and a beauty and layers and threads that are so unique, so different than any other portal or gateway or realm and I'm really happy to hear that that's their daily practice because I think especially over here in the US, we're so, for the most part, disconnected and disjointed. And that's what creates the fear and the apprehension. It's because it feels so foreign or so scary. And so the more we lean in and Mm -hmm. realize the beauty that's there and that it's it's the birthplace of life is Mm -hmm. death. And so it just unites us more strongly with the allness of all that is
0: yeah and I want I want to hear more about you know stepping into that portal because I do feel like one of the most important things about having spiritual practice for me is not an excitement about death but almost just like Ram Dass says it feels like a tight shoe when you die you know that transition for me feels a little exciting at times because I have my spiritual practice where I'm like I know that I'm listening to my intuition, my soul. I'm doing everything I can in this lifetime. I'm trying my best. So the next step feels like it's going to be liberating because Mm -hmm. I know, I believe, I perceive what I know is going to be on the other side. So when you've done that step into the death portal and even your experience, like what has been your journey with death? Because for a lot of people to hear that's like, what do you, you know, how can that be? And how can you see it in such a way where it feels rich and not dark?
2: Mm. Hmm. Okay, I gotta, I'm going to tune in for this one. So I was recently led into the grief and death realm more because at the same time, almost within the same 24 hours, I woke up one morning on a Saturday to a text from my sister saying like, don't panic, but mom's being taken into emergency surgery, you know, and when you wake up to mm-hmm. a, a piece of uh, news like that, it can be incredibly confronting. And so long story short, you know, my mom was experiencing something that truly, absolutely could have killed her at any moment. She basically, her entire lower body was without any blood for like five hours. It was this whole bizarre collapse from an old uh, surgery many, many years ago in her abdomen and it cut off the blood flow and she collapsed um, in her her place and she lives alone. And so even calling the ambulance, like she had to try to pull herself across carpet from her bathroom through the top floor of her house to get to the door to unlock it so that the paramedics wouldn't have to like, you know, break her door down. And anyways, it was a whole situation. there's so many other notes to this story that made it even more on the edge, on the brink of her passing away at any moment. And thankfully, she, you know, had successful, um, you know many hour emergency surgery. And thank God, in the couple months since, she has pretty much fully healed. But it was a very long, intense confronting journey. And that's the closest, that I had come, especially with a parent of like really sitting, especially in those hours where she was in that emergency surgery. And I knew how dire the situation was going into the surgery. And, uh, and she's also not in the greatest health anyways. And so that really started to uh, take me, lead me into those waters of the possibility of, of death and then I believe it was less than 48 hours later, I received the news that the illustrator for my book that is just out, it's like in pre-order zone right now. So it's like, I, have, I haven't i have even held a physical copy in my hands yet, but the book had just been completed and sent off to the printers. And I received word that the 30-year-old illustrator from Brazil, who did all 100 animal art pieces for my Animal Power book, died. And so, yeah, that was, that was such a unique medicine voyage for me. Um, and I really actually want to take a second right now to just honor him. His name is William Santiago, and I feel his presence very profoundly... He is not far on the other side. I will just say that, like, I definitely feel his energy and his support and his presence and his power and his creative genius and and all of that. Oh, but that was that was wild. And what one of the things that was such and this is where the beauty starts to come in because, and I know this is a big conversation, and I know I'm kind of going into different segues and tangents here, but there's a lot to this kind of. You know, topic. And one of the most unexpected beauties that that scenario brought to me was the fact that William and I had never physically met. He lived in Brazil, doesn't even speak English, you know, and he's the illustrator for my book. And all the dealings were, you know, I would send my notes to my publisher, my publisher would send the notes to William's agent. And so he and I had never shaken hands or physically hugged, but in his passing is when I so, so deeply and profoundly realized the deep connection that he and I had and the deep connection that he and I had been sharing on a daily basis for month after month after month after month because Animal Power is an incredibly potent medicine book. It is a living, breathing, shamanic medicine book. And so I had just never known that it was possible to grieve on such a deep level for someone that you had never physically met. And, you know, I'm a shaman. I should, you know, I quote unquote, should have that understanding, but it wasn't until I actually experienced it that I thought, wow, this is really, really mind-blowing because I think had someone told me, oh, this person that I never met passed and I'm like, I need some space because I'm really deeply grieving right now. I think, I I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I might have a slight little like, not full side eye, but just a slight side eye of like, huh, you've never met them and you, okay, okay, okay. I honor that, you know, that kind of vibe. But I so get it now. And it's just such a testament of our multidimensionality and the ways that our souls have different contracts and karmic uh, unions to fulfill certain missions in life because, and it's circling back me back now to one of my main intentions for Animal Power Book was to really activate the Eagle and Condor prophecy. And so when we were trying to determine which artist to use for the book, it was it was a very diligent process because like you can't just have anyone, Depicting the proper energetics and embodiment of power animals, (laughs) you know, they need to, the artist has to be able to tune in in their own spiritual way to ensure that the animal art is, because that's my biggest thing in my teachings is embodiment, embodiment, embodiment. And so these animals really needed to represent all of the healing properties and medicinal traits and teachings and messages that each of the 100 animals has. And that's no small feat. So in us having these conversations, my publisher and I, when I saw William's work, there was something right away that just activated and ignited inside of me. It's unreal. Right? Yeah.
0: When I saw it, I was like, oh yeah.
2: Mm -hmm." Right. It just was like, yes, obviously. Yes. Very medicinal. Unreal. And so then, so it was that initial resonance. And then the next dot connected of, oh wow, he lives in Brazil. And so the Condor prophecy is about the energies and alignment and peoples of the North and aligning with the energies and the love and consciousness and peoples of the South and coming together to amplify and and birth a greater consciousness of unconditional love and unity and harmony for the whole planet. So I was like, wow, you know, he and I coming together for this book, we are then in that mission together. It just, as the time would go on, as I was working on this book, I could feel the power and magnitude of it growing every single day. And then the fact, that as he was completing he had done 97 of the 100 animals completely finished in final form he had done the rough sketch of the last three and that's when he was put into the hospital and he was in the hospital for a very long time and he eventually ended up passing away so the fact that he was essentially almost completely done with 100 of the 100 animals when his time came to transition to the other realms and the fact that this incredible genius of an artist his last works of art are held in this book and this shamanic medicine book is now also the living breathing embodiment of the allness of everything which is what shamanism essentially is. And this book represents life and death. It's just, you know, you can't make this stuff up. It's just, it's so powerful and there's so much richness to it and so much beauty. And so, yes, I grieved deeply for a very long time. In fact, I, I questioned my own self a number of times. like I can't believe how to the bowels of my being, how deeply I'm feeling this grief. I was so perplexed and baffled and mystified by it. But knowing, you know, that it brought this additional medicine power. Um, So yes, it was sad and, you know, his life was, he was only 30 years old, but there's just so much power in his passing and I feel him. And the last thing I'll share is that once I got the news that this had happened, I went out onto the balcony because my publisher asked if I wanted to they were sending it off to the to the printers the next day you know and they said do you like have any message you want to add to the book and I said absolutely I know I want to so I went out onto the balcony to honor him do a ritual for him and as I was in the process of doing that this massive hawk flew just over my head <clears throat> and I knew it was him and so I sat and I wrote the message to him that is in the book and um, you know, in order to honor him, we decided to take the hawk piece of art that he drew, and now it will be like a limited edition poster. And there's a message that I put on this poster explaining the hawk's significance and how it came to me after he passed, and just honoring him and Great Spirit and Great Mother Earth, and just and all the animals. You know, all of us that came together to birth this book. So that's my very long winding road answer to whatever it was you asked i mean yeah it's it's sometimes it's like you need those as reminders for the
0: magic of life where you're like this is magic like there isn't anything but spirit that is directing this and their soul is like okay we are done we are complete like this is here this is out there but When you were speaking, you mentioned the eagle-condor prophecy, and Mm -hmm. I'd love to just kind of, I actually don't know what that is, so I'd love to just unpack that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so there's an ancient prophecy. I can't remember how many hundreds and hundreds of years ago that it was born, but in a lot of ancient animal teachings, the eagle represents the people's of the north and the essences and the energetics that we tend to have in terms of just how we operate our lifestyle things like that and then the condor is very much heart-centered and it's more of the feminine energy and that's representative of more of the essences and energetics of the people of the south and so there's this ancient prophecy that said there would come a time when the eagle and condor would unite and so it's like let me close my eyes to tune into how to how i want to share this energetically it's my belief that yes there is so much going on in the world right now right there's a lot of frenetic energy there's a lot of confusion energy there's a lot of information that hits up against each other and there's a lot of things that just can make people feel kind of insane right now just out of sorts like what what is going on kind of theme and yet with all of the bizarre And yes, sometimes it can feel a bit scary, intimidating, confronting all of those things with these energy systems that are happening right now. With all of that, I feel if you can just... Stay as devoted to the practices that keep you connected to your center line, can keep you connected to your own soul, keep you connected to your own heart and the wisdom and ancient power and truths that live within you and whoever it is on the other realms that you most connect with. For me, it's Great Mother Earth and Source Great Spirit. And if you can stay in devotion to that center line and to those strongest, clear connection points and stay in tune. So for for me, like you shared with the the Buddhists, I believe you said before the monks, before they get out of bed, even they're contemplating gratitude and death. I, I have my own version of that. Before I get out of bed, I do my own connection into my heart. And I ask, you know, what, what do you need today? How are you feeling? I ask my mind that I ask my body that I ask my soul that. And then I give my thanks and prayers to God, Goddess and Great Mother Earth and wherever else I'm, I'm led. But my point is right now it's so imperative that we do our best to stay in the present moment because what can add to all of the other confusing layers that I shared is that if we start to get into longing for the past you know because life for everyone has pretty much changed and it can be tempting to like reflect back to oh you know how the way things used to be in terms of like going to parties or or whatever it was that you enjoyed about how life on earth was 2 years ago that's taking you and pulling you into the past and then there's the other propensity of perhaps even unconsciously you get pulled into thinking about the future. Where is this all going? You know, do I need to be a prepper? Do I need to figure out if the water goes out? You know, whatever it is, there's infinite lines of thought that we can go into if we start to lean into the future, the wondering, the pondering, the the fear-based confusion questions. But all of that, again, creates more confusion. And so, that's why right now it's so important for us to stay present and to stay dialed into that center line and to stay connected to the practices that keep us in our heart and keep us connected to the wisdom of our soul. And my point in sharing all of that is that the more we do that, I feel that I will not be alone in the knowingness that right now, Gaia, Great Mother Earth, and Great Spirit, and our own hearts, if we really sit with this, I believe it will resonate with most. Right now, the greatest longing of those places is that we remember the oneness of all that is and remember the vital importance of unity and harmony and unconditional love and compassion and empathy in, in terms of remembering that we're all here learning and growing. And that is what, in essence, the eagle and condor prophecy really represents, is us remembering these most ancient truths of the planet that we inhabit, of Great Mother Earth it's that we are all one before all of these lines of separation and division and all of these categories and classifications and subcategories and all of this like pulling people further and further away from one another and into these other check marks and tiny little boxes and none of us deserve to be a check mark or a tiny little box. We are these wildly magnificent, multi-dimensional, multi-talented, powerful beyond measure beings meant to continuously explore our own inner worlds and the unseen realms and to get to know great mother earth and to find our connection to great spirit or God, whoever it is, the universe, whatever it is that you call it. And when we go to those places, it never ends. It's infinite and that's that's the space, right? And I you know for some reason um, my answers with you are are really going into these like flowy kind of medicine. They're not very clear-cut short form answers, which sometimes I try to do so that what's coming through me can be a little bit more digestible. But, for some reason, in my time with you, so far, everything is really taking me into these um, spaces where i I'm just kind of more channeling, and then I'll just kind of stop and see I where you're at. It.
0: I love it. I feel so lucky The way that we've separated the ourselves from the ancient medicine of animals reminds me of the way that we've separated ourselves from the ancient wisdom of mother earth and women, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like that divine feminine and in women who run with the wolves, the book, she talks a lot about how we've separated ourselves from our wildness and it's shown in the way we've treated nature and mother earth Mm -hmm. and how we're just so disrespectful almost. And we just take, take, take. So how can we, I guess, or this is what I want to ask. How are how do you see that connection between the feminine and some of the power animals in mother nature? Like that soft, warm, unconditional love that exists that I feel like we haven't let ourselves have the access to because I feel like in my community and space, people are interested in aliens, angels, ascended masters, but actually I feel like people bypass animals a little bit.
2: Mm, it it could be because they also exist in this physical Mm. earth realm so perhaps they seem quote-unquote more commonplace or not as mystifying because you know yes some of us like i've been on board motherships and i've definitely sat down with a number of alien folk but you know i don't know that the vast percentage majority of of humans have done that so for me you know the alien world doesn't seem so out there and and weird, but I, I think to the, yeah, the general population, perhaps, yeah, communing with ascended masters and the aliens feels a little bit more like that intriguing cosmos, like, oh, this is trippy. This is w- weird and wild, but yet it resonates kind of vibe. But the animals, you know, we, for the most part, can we see animals every day, even if it's just a bird flying past your window. And so I think perhaps that's part of mm-hmm. the added magic and power that they hold is to bring us back to the remembrance yes. that they are such incredibly potent teachers and allies. I mean, and to get more dialed into the bullseye of that trifecta question that you asked about the divine feminine and great mother earth and mm-hmm. the power animal world, for me, the word that hits the bullseye is sacredness. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I know it's one of the main key essences that I was put on this earth to teach, embody, to for those who want to lean into me and whatever it is that I have to share, it's to help people remember that element of incarnation and the vital importance of it. Because, especially in the US, sacredness. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we really think about that for a second, if you just, I mean, we're sitting in, you know, kind of downtown Austin and looking out and about. If You know what comes up for me? What? Midwest football. Yeah. How funny.
0: <laughs> Literally, I was like, football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I was honestly, what is, that was like, it's like that programming when you're younger, you're like, football sacred. But I don't know what else that I've seen and recognized in our culture that, we revere as sacred
2: it's we are so far removed Mm -hmm. from communing and honoring Mm -hmm. in ways that really connect us to the true truths of ourselves and the true truths of like the entire point of even being here and You know, another invitation that I would like to bring in, and this is not invitation that is coming from judgment, right or wrong. It's just simply a pondering door opening, gateway opening invitation of, you know, for all the soul fam that's sitting with us in this conversation right now. You know, I I think a lot of the listeners will probably have a yes answer to this, but for those who might not, but. When is the last time that you really spoke to Great Mother Earth? You know, and yes, a lot of your listeners might say, well, today, but again, the vast percentage of the U.S. population has probably not one day in their life spoken, had a conversation with, given an offering to sent love to, given a prayer to Great Mother Earth. And it's the planet that houses us. It's the entire, like, Great Mother Earth is the provider of all that is. Like, we, we, we wouldn't have any of what we see or ingest or, you know, anything in our homes without her. Yet, we're not, we don't grow up in this country being taught rituals or sacred practices or ceremonies or ways to do this. And so it's so important um, in in whatever way that you can. And that's a great first starting point. It's like, even if from your home, I would recommend, even if you don't even have a yard, like back when I lived in Brooklyn, I didn't have a yard, but I had parks around me. Whatever way you can, go outside and speak to the wind and put your hands down on the earth and i always love anytime i go to new lands um, i'll tune in before i go to see what offerings i want to bring and then once i'm there i'll call forward the love and light guardians of that land and i'll place my left ear down directly into great mother earth and i'll just begin to call to her and commune with her and uh, it's just that one practice alone will open up gateways of miracles so far beyond, um, what you can imagine just, just from that one practice of talking to, to Gaia. Mm, I, yeah, I think that's so powerful.
0: And, you know, in thinking about the fact that you mentioned that a lot of people haven't given reverence or, you know, felt that sacred connection to Gaia. And I think that can be seen today when we see people going to space, all the billionaires are going to space. It's like, Mm. I feel like we've been shown so much, um, horrifying images of all the damage we've done to earth and there is so much so for me and I don't know if anyone else resonates there are times when I feel ashamed when I feel like and it's not it doesn't keep me from reverence but it it makes me sometimes avoidant of Mm. of power animals or of earth because I'm like wow we are just really treating earth so horribly. And it is that feeling of like this martyr, you know, this mother earth continuing to give and us continuing to take and us never really giving back. And it just makes me feel a little shame sometimes. So if there's anyone else that feels like that around even animals, you know, because sometimes with power animals, I'm like, oh my God, I think about them. And then I think about their habitats decreasing, all of these horrifying images. What would you say, how should we work with that? Or how should I work with that? And then is there anything that we can, do to make sure that we're still getting the medicine and we're being honoring and we're doing the steps we can? I know that was a layered question.
2: Yeah. I'm tuning in though. It's great. Even if you don't have an altar space, like I start every day with my practices in bed and then I go um, like next place I, I land is at my altar. But even if you don't have a designated altar space, just wherever, you know, sit on the floor, sit on a chair and Even if you're not a seasoned meditator, you don't need to be. But I'm recommending that you sit by yourself in a quiet space. If you have anything in your home to add a little sacred layer to, whether it's wafting some incense or turning on lighting a candle so that you have sacred grand fire sitting next to you, or maybe just sitting with your favorite crystal in your lap. It can just, it can be tiny and it also doesn't need to be any of those things. So are just, that's a bonus layer to do. But even if it's just sitting with yourself and closing your eyes and just breathing in through your nose and into your heart center and really staying in that wave-like rhythm of breathing, just exhaling any stress inhaling in through nose into directly into your heart center to keep allowing your heart to open up more. And once you feel that your heart has cleared a bit and expanded a bit and you're really dialed into her, I would then set the intention to call forward an animal into your field and some, you might hear a flash of a word of an animal in your right ear. For me, I'm very visual clairvoyant. So I see, they come to me in, in my vision. Um, or you might just get a sense, a knowingness, a claircognizant, a knowingness of a particular animal that's, that's kerplunked in. And even as I'm talking right now, Krista, I don't know if you're already sensing one, but the intention is to invite a power animal forward for you to begin this digestion with because they are so generous and they are our allies and our supporters and our empowers and they want to be invited in. Of all the guides that I work with, the power animals seem to be the ones who most desire the invitation to commune. There are other guides, perhaps angels or whatever that will just kind of be around, but like the animals want you to open the door and call the animal in that you can begin to have that conversation with that freeing, liberating conversation with of expelling and saying, just getting off your shoulders, off your heart, off your chest, the things that you were talking about of I feel ashamed, I feel kind of icky, just talk it through. And this this process can might even just take like three minutes but the medicine of that will free you you're then connected to a new power animal ally and then before you end the meditation the closing of it if you feel called is to invite that animal who came forward to continue communing and working with you um, if there's further work to be done around that category so I don't know if anything Mm -hmm. came up for you as I was saying that
0: yeah, it did. It was. Um, I've always had black jaguar, mm. but it's interesting because when I was like meditating on that, I did your, I did your meditation, which is really powerful. And We'll have that for everyone in the show notes. I didn't know if that was yours, and so, or and it was coming, and so I was thinking, I'm like, is that mine or is that yours? And then I was kind of sitting there in my meditation because that's come through for me before. But I was thinking about my dreams, and my dreams are almost always water. It's like whales, like killer whales, whales and sharks Mm. is like been for years, like Mm -hmm. years and years and years almost at the regular. So I think those water type animals would relate. But then also too, I think Black Jaguar was with me last year was like a huge shadow work year Mm -hmm. for me. It It was just one of the hardest years of my life. And so that was really helpful. But I was also like, I don't know if that's Allison's. Like I kind of was like, Am I picking up hers because you're coming? You know what I mean. Yeah,
2: it is my core totem. <laughs>
0: you like look, look like a black jaguar.
2: <laughs> she is my my main uh, core power animal ally. So so yes, there is that. Um, but I love that you work with the ocean animals. That man, oof! There's some really. Wow! Oh, it like anytime I tune in to especially whale energy, it makes me. No one can see me because we're not recording this on video, but it like makes my body gyrate in a certain way just because it's like ah, the enormity of their um, ah of their potency. It's so unlike any other being. Um, but whale, typically, I mean, each animal a lot of times has about five or six like main keyword attributes or healing medicinal properties that they represent. Uh, But one of the main ones for whale is it is it's like sacred song and sound and clear communication. It's all about communication. And then shark is all about like flowing forward. But, you know, you do it with um, precision and like you've already dialed in and dropped in and landed into like a certain uh targeted knowingness in your being, and then just like zoom flowing forward to um, aligning with with that focused vision so those are two of the main essences of those animals but uh yeah I really I really love those for you they those are two really good creatures one of, one of Sahara, she's gonna you know give me a hard time for sharing about this but years ago when I was on her podcast um, and I'm referring to Sahara Rose because Chris and I are both mutually very good friends with her but Shark came in for her and she was <laughs> like no and what yeah she is she's so feminine she's I, like no <laughs> and I still tell her I joke with her to this day because somehow yesterday when we were on a Zoom together Shark came up and I was like hey girl it's your friend she's like no but over Sharks the, are
0: though. yeah
2: over the years yes. has grown to have more of a reverence for yes. them but it's very funny I I think it's one
0: of those things where you it's like with shadow. Yeah. You know, where you're like dark. You know, I don't even know what this was, but it's like before I would have been like, dude, you're like anything that's dark, you're like, that's or like alligator. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's ugly. You know, you're like, I want a hummingbird. Yeah. I want a I want a peacock.
2: Well, and you bring up a, a cool point, and some people know this a lot, don't? That the power animal world. So when we incarnate, we all have a core power animal that is assigned to us and is with us our entire life. That is our core animal, but then depending upon what we're going through, what our soul needs are, um, it can be what we need on a particular one moment in a day, or or like bat came in and it was with me for a couple of years to make me face like my deepest. Dark darkest fears. So then there are other animals that come in with us for like shorter or longer chapters. Uh, so yeah, that that's a good point to make um, because I think it's important to commune in, in both ways, to one, to align and get to know who your core animal is and you know that they're by your side. But then once you, know, you get my book or you start to learn animal medicine, then you can also learn okay, this animal represents A, B, and C. As I'm going into this scenario, I can now call upon Peacock Mm -hmm. to empower me. And there's all sorts of different ways you can work with animals. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was when I saw Black Jaguar come, it was like this very, it was like a seriousness. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, this is very serious. Like there was... um, yeah, it was just very, there's another word that I'm trying to to think about, but it was just very serious. And it was like, oh, wow, this is like really happening. You know, cause I had said it, I'd be like, I think next year I had kind of prophesied it for myself. I was like, I think this is gonna be shadow work year, but sometimes because it's said so much in our space, I didn't realize the depth of it. And I was like, whoa, when that came. And then it was it was interesting cause like later on in the year when I was sort of coming out of it, it was like monkey came mm. and it was really nice. It was like a really nice lift to have that and be like, okay, there is like a levity. That's a
2: pretty big 180. Yeah. Way in a good way. Yes.
0: Yeah. It was really beautiful, but, and for people, so for people that are trying to connect with animals, I had mine in meditation and then dreams. What are ways in which that you've seen people really call forth their power animals or the power animals that have messages
2: for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways. Like even my publicist right now, it was the sweetest thing. I really love her and um, just the way that she's opening herself up to these possibilities. So just one example you know, our relationship is a newer one. And um, you know, she's working with me in Animal Power Book, and she's really leaning in, right? She's excited about this and and reading the book and and starting to learn and open herself up with a with a really uh yeah, with a strong willingness. And she um called me the other day and she was so pumped. She's like, Allison, oh my gosh, I know what my current power animal is. It's the rabbit, and I never would have guessed it. But she then sent me me all of these videos she was uh, vacationing like in uh, Seattle and I and I feel and very clear conscious that she would be totally fine with me with me sharing this otherwise I never would Mm -hmm. but she sent me all these incredible videos of rabbits like literally just running everywhere I mean and she's like not out in the country and just she walked to the parking lot where her car was and there were just like four rabbits just like circling around her and not running away from her and then she went to another location and each of like the three or the four videos that she sent were different locations where rabbits were just everywhere and that's one example is to they they really invite um one of my favorite things which is a key to earth life is um, allowing yourself to be consciously aware and not living in illusion and denial and having having the veil, um, you know, pulled down over your your third eye. And because she had allowed herself to open up her conscious awareness, she didn't just mindlessly or in a rush, go to her car and get in the car and not see the animals that were presenting. And these rabbits were coming to her as messengers. And she, let herself see that. And then when she went home, she opened up the book and she was astounded. She's like, this is exactly what is going on for me in my life. And so they really, um, just right out of the gate, send a teaching and a medicine for us to like, remember to look up, remember to be aware, remember to be present to our surroundings. And again, it's like reconnecting to the mysticism and the magic that we are 24/7 enveloped embraced and surrounded by whether it's the trees the wind medicine the the fire from a candle the animals that come in that it's it's all medicine and if we allow it to be <laughs> otherwise we're just going about our day and we're we're cut off from that entire side of life so yes it's if it's animals present to you and god this one story of a of a crow keeps coming in I don't know though. It's it's a little bit of a long one. But recently I interviewed Dr. Wayne Dyer. He he his he had eight kids. He's since passed. But yeah, he he was an incredible spiritual teacher, wrote many books, like 40 plus books, I believe. And uh two of his daughters recently wrote a book, really incredible one by the way. And when I was out preparing for that interview, he came to me and um from the other side, Dr. Wayne Dyer presented to me on my right side. And it was this whole, like it moved me to tears. It was so profound, um, such a powerful connection to him. And I could see him. I could see what he was wearing. I could feel his personality. I could hear his messages to me. I mean, it was like you and I sitting here. He is that strong of a presence on the other side. And um, I always... I tend to be someone who just always does further checks around everything, just to make sure. I just that's just how I roll, and so even though it was so clear and I knew what was happening, I still closed my eyes and I was like, you know, send me a sign. And when I opened my eyes, I was sitting on the balcony and I was typing these notes. There's a tree right in front, and from the right in front of me, and from the top branch, a massive. Like the second I opened my eyes, a huge crow just burst from the top branch of the tree. And I, and I knew that that was my confirmation. The next day in the interview, I was a little nervous to tell her because it's such a, like it's her dad and it was a little sensitive, like, hey, I talked to your dad yesterday, you know? But she was super cool about it. And she's like, oh my God, I would have been so mad if you didn't tell me this. But I said, you know, he affirmed to me that it was him by presenting as a, as a blackbird, as a crow. And she's like, that's how he presents in earth form, he comes to the family as a bird in different colors. He comes to her as a white bird. He comes to the mom, his uh, wife, as a red bird. And then in shamanism, the crow is representative of the void. It's a it's a main shamanic totem, the crow. And uh, he came to me, of course, as the crow. So I don't know. That's just another like random example of just how. Um, animals and the medicine and the energetics work so But another way, you know, you can um once you have my guidebook or you know, start to to learn what different animals represent, like I like I mentioned before, if there's a certain thing that you know you're about to do that you just feel like you could use a little extra strength or support, maybe you're feeling a little nervous about a crunchy, uncomfortable conversation that you're gonna have, or you're heading into a business meeting or whatever the mini life um earth life scenarios can be you can then consciously and in a sacred, reverent way, call, invite that animal forward, you know, sit, sit with that invitation for a moment, ask the animal to be with you during the conversation and and You know, let them know what a little bit of what you need. Say, I'm open to whatever blessing, blessings, messages and medicine and guidance you wish to bestow upon me in this scenario. But if you're also clear that in this uncomfortable conversation, you want to stay out of fear and make sure you remain heart centered and that your words and and message and, and conversation is coming from your heart, ask the animal to support you in that. And, and you'll get to, familiarize yourself with like oh with with this scenario i need to call in uh deer you know deer is all about the pathway of the heart and making sure that your heart is open so sorry if i just flash my left i love video. it <laughs> i
0: been looking at those boobs this my whole time God, the like, left
2: one's really what a woman she's the feisty uh, one she, she likes to come like, out let's do this yeah the left one likes to <laughs> she's party like, channels this is my time
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i'm gonna slip out while she's channeling <gasps> i've been admiring to be honest um <laughs> What about dreams? Like what is it? Mm, So power animals, do they come... Like, is it easy for them? Is it like, what's that like? And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming with whales and stuff, it's like, because I can't see them as accessibly. Is, right. Is that, do you find that
2: to be true? Yeah, yeah, that definitely can be true. However, um, you know, like in the guided shamanic journey that you did, I voyaged you into the jungle realm. But even though you're in the jungle realm, like I've guided thousands of people in that particular voyage because I just, I love the jungle so much. But even though we're there, like I've had lobsters come to people, camels, dolphins so even though we're in the jungle realm you know yeah any of the animals can present and yes same kind of uh essence with the dream state you know our guard is down and we're more to, to some spiritual teachers that's actually when we're awake and living and like when we wake up from our sleep and dream time that's actually when we're we're asleep. If that makes sense, yes. and so, um, so yeah, when we're in that uh, other way of functioning as a as a human, we're much more, you know, connected to the other realms, and and oftentimes, yeah, the animals can find an easier opening to present and and get across the message that they're really trying to get across.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I read this text and it talked about how. It's not our body that needs rest when we sleep, it's our soul,
2: mm-hmm. and our
0: soul really needs that time, you know when we're dreaming. But there was actually something you said about when Wayne Dyer came to you and you said you did like a check, yeah, and I always think about that with beings and entities and souls and spirits, so what is the check that you do, and are you checking to make sure that you're clearly picking up what it is or what is that check like?
2: yeah, it's um, you know as someone who Before my divine intervention and spiritual awakening moment, which for me, those two things were simultaneous and happened both at the exact same moment in time for me. And before that happened and my life totally changed, I realized after I had my awakening that previously I had been living my entire life in denial and illusion and kidding myself and... I, so once that veil lifted and I understood the dynamics of denial and like false narratives and what it means to like lie to yourself to try to stay in a reality that you think you want, but it's not serving your highest in all of those shenanigans. That's partly why, because I know I fooled myself before for many consecutive years I never want to let myself falter into those territories again. And so even though I've been on the shamanic path for, I mean, I've done this work for many lifetimes and I've been on the path for many years this particular lifetime, I am just someone who's very diligent with integrity and with clarity and just, yeah, just doing doing the checks. Sometimes it's just a second. It's just a double check and I'm good. And then there are other times where I might do a third and a fourth check. What I can try to explain is that at this point, because I've been doing this work for so long and in such a devoted way, I, I really trust myself. But even with fully trusting myself, I still do the checks. But... So it doesn't take me long. Like if there's, okay, so here's an example and I'm going to keep it somewhat vague because it does involve someone else who is working with me right now. Um, so I'm still really shrouding all of this in full reverence and sacredness. But as I'm, I'm a seer, so I, I'm very much open to a lot of my gifts and my seership is one of my main ones. And I can just see kind of everything. And I have a very strong sniffer. So even though I am never invasive with my abilities, I don't go to gatherings and try to like, you know, look into people's like-
0: (laughs) As much as they'd want you to.
2: (laughs) Well, some do, some don't. Some will literally run the other way. (laughs) You would lean in, but others bolt. Trust (laughs) me, I have witnessed it. Um, But uh, yeah, so even though I'm not invasive, um, sometimes I I can just see stuff without trying. Mm-hmm. So with with this particular person, I was seeing a lot. And this is where this other piece of responsibility comes in. And it's a huge one, and it's a most paramount one, especially as a shaman. You carry a, a lot of responsibility. And in so many different ways. And so in this particular situation, I was seeing a lot. And because of the dynamic of this working relationship with this particular other person, I knew that what I was seeing was not something that could be ignored. And the other check, responsibility check that you have to do as a seer is if you're noticing something about someone, they may not be ready to hear it at all. And if you were to get off your chest what you're picking up on with them right then, it could actually be very traumatizing or wounding to them if they're not in the right place to receive that information. So the percentage of people that I actually go to with what I am seeing about them, I'm not kidding, is probably like 1%. Because when I do that next check of like, are they in a safe space and soul readiness to hear all of the downloads that I just got about them? It's um, it's a pretty small percentage that likes to enter those waters. With her, I knew that she was ready and needed to hear. And so then I did a next check I sat at my altar to ensure that nothing of what I was going to present to her was projection, that none of it was my quote unquote shit, that, that it was truly dialed in hers and needed to be heard by her. And once I was totally crystal clear that it was none of nothing coming from me. Then I invited further messaging because at this point, I said to her, here is some information I'm receiving. And I kept it very gentle 101. And I then knew intuitively that I needed to wait for her invitation if she felt ready to go deeper. She leaned in and said, I I'm curious about point number five. I would like to know more. From that point, I then did another check and started to receive even clear downloads, which they came in in like four or five different paragraphs. And then the next check I did with the responsibility is this magnitude and gravity of these medicine messages, it would not be right or fair to her if I sent this via email or text. This is a this is a must dialogue conversation level medicine message. So then I ask her, are you open to having a phone call around this? Um, and this is like on a Saturday when, like, you know, I could be doing whatever. And it's like, but you know, this is my responsibility because this is the dynamic I have with this relationship with this person. So um, so then yes, we ended up having the conversation. And even before I started to speak, I said, "Do you feel and a, a safe space and readiness on a soul level to receive what I'm about to share?" Because I wanted her to feel rooted, centered, planted, and 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 ready um, and and guided and supported to receive. So it's like, you know. And then I shared with her, and you know, she admitted that it was uncomfortable but it totally resonated and she knew it was exactly what she, the medicine that she needed to receive and hear. But like, that's just one example of literally one 10 minute conversation that needed to be had and all of the accessing in that I do to my own wisdom, to the unseen realms, to great spirit, to great mother earth, all of the checks, all the different layers and levels of the checks before I even get to saying to a person what I'm picking up on.
1: And I think when you first awaken to your gifts, you get really
0: excited and you're like, hello, everyone, I'm reading you and I'm reading you and I'm picking this up and this is what I'm seeing. And you're just, it's its just this like excitement. And I feel like, you know, everyone's got their own process. So that's probably part of it, but it's like really important that when you are in the healer space or where you are in the space of giving information, of receiving information that you are taking it slow, and I've noticed a lot with newer healers to the space, it's like almost that endorphin of getting it right, of like getting the message right. We're all notice it. I'm like, wow, I'm feeling like you're more excited about the message being right than like the actual trueness of them. You know what I mean? Yes. And, I've, and I'm have and i kind of adverse to that. And I've noticed that. So I'd love to just for you to talk about that.
2: Yeah, no, I th- I'm so glad that this is an unexpected uh, category. Um, I didn't, know that we would go into it, but I'm so glad that we are because I think it is so important because truly I live uh, by the uh, pillar of belief that only when asked, only when invited do I share, you know, because I have experienced exactly what you are talking about, where someone whose um, spiritual connection points and lines started to open up and started to get information, and very it is a, it's a very exhilarating time. You're because you know being quote unquote awake and all of the spiritual stuff. It has grown, and I hate to say it's grown in popularity, but it's becoming more of a commonplace conversation. It's not as bizarro as it was a decade ago. And so then, if it starts to happen, then someone's like, oh my God, that awake thing is happening to me. And like, oh, I'm starting to, you know, get tapped in. And, you know, am I a shaman? Am I a mystic? Am I a what? You know, whatever. It can be anything, but yes, this exhilarating, it can be very exhilarating. But that, when you start to feel that propensity of like getting slurped up and zoomed up into the the cosmic realms and spaces when you start to feel that lift and that type of exhilaration right there is where you have to like bring yourself into your physical body and also take a moment to like put your roots and your drop your root chakra anchor into great mother earth and like sit with it and be with it and marinate with the download and messaging that you got received before you spew or transmit or put out from you any of what you think that you just got. Because one thing that happened to me that was i felt very traumatizing was a, a friend and you know i i know she meant well and i know her heart and i love her to this day but as things were starting to awaken to her and she was receiving what she felt to be god messages that pertain to me and my book and this is many 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 months ago i opened up my phone to a voice note message from her and of course I'm going to press play and without warning without prefacing without in asking in any way I was receiving a quote-unquote god-guided message to me about me and my path with my book which was incredibly um, unnerving it instantly made me run to the bathroom and have diarrhea It instantly made me feel like I was going to throw up. It felt traumatizing. It felt violating. And that is 101, never effing do. Never without asking someone if they even want to hear what you have to say. And like, God bless. And like I said, I love her, but the state that she was in, in terms of her life and what was going on for her own dynamics in life at that time, I would not have wanted to receive a message from her at that time. On top of that, I am very, very strongly and profoundly and clearly connected into God, God as source and directly into great mother earth. And I rarely seek outside guidance. I don't need it. So that's just—I mean, I'm happy to talk about this for ten more hours with you because it is so important. But that's just one real-life um, example that I can share that it—it it can be incredibly, um, you know, because when we open up our spiritual gifts, the entire point should be to be of service and to serve the highest, greatest good of that person and for all. And you oftentimes can and will be doing the exact opposite of that by being overzealous and invasive and violating with get, with a message even if you think it's a message from god for that person
0: yes cuz you know in the law of one teaching which is what i like my greatest spiritual text was it would be it's like a violation of free will it's like your free will allows the invitation and the invitation is not only vocally but there's like an energetic invitation you can feel because sometimes if you have messages people will say yes but they're saying yes because they actually want to like fulfill self they want to actually get a message of something negative about them so it's like a subconscious yes that's like yes affirm bad things about me or give me the message that i want to hear and so i find that when I feel like people are trying to do that to me, I had someone that I knew send me a message that they read something about me a year ago. And I was like, oh, you absolutely did not do this. Like, this is not okay for you to send me something that you read about me. Like my guides actually don't really, mm. my guides are actually really, really um, formidable. They're like very mm. badass. They actually don't let a lot of people read. Most readers can't. So I was like, I know you didn't, And it's Mm. almost like that egoic of like, Mm. confirm for me that I see,
2: Mm -hmm. confirm
0: for me that I see. Yes,
2: yes. And the desire to feel needed and important. And especially if they are quote unquote, giving a reading for someone else who they feel is inspirational or powerful and they want to be seen in that same light or at that same level. And so it comes from these distorted, dysfunctional places, which is why those effing checks are so vital. Because if you're not real with yourself and taking those sacred pauses to get back in your body and to feel like, where really is this coming from? Because if you did those checks and did those sacred pauses, you would not get to the point of voice noting that and sending that to anyone uh, nine times out of 10. Yes. (laughs) And also it's like, and I'm curious what you think about this, but if you're newer to to the messages and the reading and the
0: connection, it's like, you'll never learn enough about yourself. Yeah. You know, like there's never enough messages about you, about your experience, about what you're doing. And so it's always like bringing it back I feel like it's like if you're automatically tuning in and your third eye is on and you're kind of connecting into spirit and you're bringing it out to reading people instead of like really doing with yourself, doing your own messages, checking your own stuff. It's like, that's not really the point of it all.
2: A hundred percent. And it flashed me back to when it was pre-awakening Allison and this lifetime um, in my slumbered way by me quote-unquote fixing and um, uh, doing all that I quote-unquote needed to do for my ex-fiancé and that 16 plus year relationship by, by being aware of his dysfunctions, his addictions, all of the trauma and wounding that he needed to heal by doing that outward gaze and outward focus and fixation and like I'm aware of this with you and I think this is going on and I think you need to drink less and all of these things. I that was my unconscious way of avoiding um, facing my own shadow and facing my own work and and going within. So yeah, spot on. So the, the same thing can be happening before you become awakened. You know, you can be doing it in those kinds of ways but even then, after you have become awakened, again, if yeah, if you don't do if you don't check yourself enough, yeah, you so and this is where this is where it gets really, really dangerous because, um, this is what can happen is you can begin to have, let's say, a genuine access point to a particular to Archangel Gabriel, to ascended master jesus to to source wherever you can have a genuine connection point to a benevolent divine being or space in the unseen realms and you could be uh, perhaps innately or with enough devotion throughout the years um very masterful very um Highly skilled at having this pathway to this place that provides potent and strong information. However, if you are only doing the accessing and then expelling out and presenting that way as a leader, guide, teacher, facilitator ceremonialist ritualist whatever it is and so at this point the only two access points are up and then out your mouth that is disaster zone danger zone all sirens and alarms are ringing all of the neon lights are flashing if your points are only those two points caution danger be very be beware because you are then doing the, what we're talking about of missing the going into your own body and tending to the traumas and woundings that still need to be heard from you and, 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 and loved and transmuted and faced and, and, and healed by you. And you're also missing... The 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 going down into the underworld into into Great Mother Earth and and those those worlds down there where all the the shadow work um and and facing aspects about yourself that you've previously deemed shameful or embarrassed or um, behaviors that actually kind of, that you do that actually kind of scare you about your own self all of those things are not being worked. At all. And the last little thing that I'll say about this is it is this dynamic that I'm trying to explain where I have seen a lot of spiritual teachers and leaders get into a lot of trouble, for lack of a better word, because. It's not coming from a healed, whole, healthily embodied, truly foundational place. Um, It's very disconnected and disjointed and cut off. And a way to be a a, a truly whole, um, healthy, fully aligned and embodied teacher is to make sure you're covering the... (laughs) up, the out, the down, the within. And if you're only like, I've known a super skilled numerologist who was like the most genius numerologist, but they had this whole other really, really dark, gremlin-y, dysfunctional, shadowy side that was left completely untended to. And that stuff when you keep walking the path and keep presenting as a teacher, but only from the top and out and ignoring all the other stuff, the more steps on the path that you take from that place, the greater the danger grows. And um, that's where you can get into trouble because if you do that long enough, you're going to harm someone or you're going to harm a lot of people. And that's going to come out or the karmic energy is going to catch up to you, but it never ends well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's
0: it's so interesting because it's like, I'm so excited that people are working with guides and angels and power animals. And, you know, I grew up Catholic, so I didn't know that I had access to angels till I was older. And since finding it has been like one of the greatest things, but there is like um, kind of, a. I don't want to use the word bypass because I it's like kind of, just like an overused word, but there is like a way in which it is a little bit, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and there's not, and that's why I actually love the power animals because it's like, oh no, these exist in Mm -hmm. our, with our sight. Yeah. And like we can feel and experience the, it right here. Um, But I did want to talk about, and I actually wrote this down in my notes and I'm glad that you've brought it up a few times. A lot of our community is in their sudden return and they're going through like their awakening, Uh their spiritual awakening. So I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, your awakening and anything, you know, any advice that you have for people. I know.
2: Oh my God. Because a lot are
0: are awakening now and they're really scared. Mm -hmm. And I think the scaring, being scared wears off. Yeah, But they're kind of in that.
2: Okay, I'm tuning in to what wants to come through in this moment. Stand by. Okay, so yes, I understand first and foremost. I was there and yeah, when the veil lifted for me, like I'd mentioned, I my awakening came from a divine intervention. I, I was not... I I was so staunchly (laughs) pushing against and resisting uh, my true calling and mission and spiritual gifts opening that it required a whole slew of various guides um, to all get together and blow the whistle uh, for me that day. And Uh, Yeah, I mean, so everything changed for me literally in an instant and it was simultaneously, in that moment, it felt only anguishing and dropped to my knees, what the fuck? In not so distant future, I very quickly became aware that it was simultaneous, the most anguishing and most miraculous moment. But yes, when the veil lifts and your realities and awarenesses start to shift in such um, a, a powerful magnitude or degree, it can be it can be incredibly intimidating and discombobulating because it can bring up if you're changing so much. I think the next pondering for a lot of people is, well, what else is this going to be a domino effect? you know, what else is going to start to change in my life? Like if I start to become a different person, what, what if I don't want to live in Chicago anymore? But in, in Chicago, it's where all my friends that I go out with are. And that's, you know, this is where my fiance and I live. And And what if everything starts to change and I all of a sudden want to move to Hawaii and Rob doesn't want to go to Hawaii, and what if Rob leaves me? Because I know that he thinks all this stuff is weird, but now it's starting to feel more right for me, and on and on and on. The dominoes start going <laughs> mm-hmm. and it can be. S- and yours was yours in Chicago? Uh, no, I had my awakening actually in Brooklyn, but I, I'm i from Northeast Indiana and I have a lot of family in Chicago, yeah, yeah. so maybe that's why I was kind I of. I had mine
0: in Chicago, that's why oh, we saying that.
2: Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, were you with someone named Rob now? <laughs> yeah uh, who's Kevin. rob yeah
0: literally <laughs> i know who's my sarah rob
2: <laughs> think back i know he's there <laughs> yes. um so uh so yes i i just want to start by saying i really empathize and and understand and and there's nothing wrong with where you're at if you're currently in anything any of the zones similar to that where you're just having so many questions come up and um you know possible fear-based scenarios coming up. So what was the key the key for me? And this is a decision that anyone can make. My divine intervention was an intervention I didn't my soul probably decided I needed that, but on a human level I didn't. But what any human on a human level can decide to do is surrender. And for me, that was the biggest most powerful miraculous decision that i have ever made in my life and that is what i believe to be the main thing that then allowed me to at the most rapid and grace-filled level begin to trust it was through me saying to um Ascended Master Jesus happens to be my main love and light guide this lifetime. So it was communicating to God, Great Spirit, Ascended Master Jesus, Jesus and Great Mother Earth, and also my own my own being, my own heart and being to those places communicating. I I don't know what I am doing. I don't know who I am. I am not who I thought I was. I am now at a place where I am fully calling in your full support and guidance. I need you. I am letting it in. I am releasing and letting go and laying back into the river that you form for me. And I decided in that moment that I was living in complete 100% devotion to the guidance that came in from me speaking that surrender statement. And that is truly how I have lived every day, every moment since I spoke that surrender statement. And my life has only continued to get better and better and better and in all of the most fulfilling, you know, divine ways. So I would recommend if it feels comfortable for you in your own version and whoever you feel comfortable speaking with, you know, in, in your readiness, speak, speak that surrender statement of yours where you are finally willing to get out of your own way and and give your egoic mind and the framework that the limited mind previously had a hold on you of, give them the liberation and freedom to dislodge and dissolve with honor and open yourself up into the saving grace of all of these spiritual and energetic support systems that have always been there but just waiting for this moment. And then the next step is after you speak your surrender statement, that's where our responsibility and our work comes in because those messages and guidances will will right away begin to reveal to you, but you have to have your clear, your ear, your clear audience open enough to hear that whisper. And you have to, um, you just have to be willing to be open and you will know, trust that belly feel when you get a nudge, when you get a feeling that you're just supposed to go to this particular bookstore when you were heading to the juice shop or what, whatever it is, whatever the guidance, the compassing, the navigation that comes in, if you feel it <sighs> right here and you then heed it, That's where the trust of this co-creative majesty begins to come in. And the trust piece, I think, will be the, is the biggest piece and allowing the nervousness, the trepidation, the freaky outedness, all those things start to, um, simmer down and start to go away when you begin to trust your own ability to um, navigate in these ways and you trust your ability to receive the messages from benevolent guidance places. So those are some very like tactile, like tip step one, tip step two, tip step three. I feel like there's one other thing coming in though. standby. Let me see if I can find it. So I think the last thing that I'll shed a light around and what I'm about to say does not, need to hold true to everyone. But what happened for me, what I have seen also happen to many other people once they've had their awakening is you are then beginning to have an old world collapse, an old way of living, um, an old portal and an old world that you knew begins to shut and collapse down to go away. And simultaneously, this new world and this new portal, this new dimension that the door has been opened to that you've taken a step into and maybe you're ready to take step number two or maybe you just have your your toes dip in it, but you know you need to lean in, that one's birthing and activating and igniting and opening up at the exact same time that your old world is shutting and collapsing down. That is, that particular experience is one of, if not the most powerful catalytic human experiences that one can have during an earth incarnation is that place. So if you find yourself um, on your floor, <laughs> laying on the ground, slobber crying, talking to yourself, feelings, what I call spiritual fires, just Kind of ripping and roaring through you, burning off the false beliefs that can no longer be inside of you if you keep walking forward. There is so much alchemical, spiritual activation that's happening. And it can be kind of freaky, but just know if you find yourself in any of those places, like it's normal and it will pass. And for a lot of people, it's a necessary alchemical passageway. It's like an initiation, a rite of passage as you're crossing over into this new way of living that happens. It will not be that way forever. And if you have a trusted Phone a friend support system. Um, If you have a couple of people who you really truly trust and are close to and are also at a place in their lives where they can hold proper space for a fiery combustion, call them. And um, even if you just need to sound it out and get it out of your system, like what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, I definitely had that um, when I was getting clear, uh, right after my awakening, I was given the downloads of like who I truly was, the visions of how my shamanism was to function in the world, the name, the medicine name, rock star shaman came in and I felt the the boldness and the bigness and the kind of like, are you kidding me-ness of that? There was so much that came in that I knew was guidance for me, but it felt scary. And even though I had been given the visions, and the knowingness that I am a medicine woman, and it's to function publicly. And yes, it might be very medicine-y and triggering for some, but you got to hold the line. This is why you're here, um, and all of these things. And there's a whole backstory around rock star shaman and what that means. But even with all of that information, I was like, okay, so I'm I'm understanding. But like now, what? How am I supposed to start my work as a public figure shaman? Like what's step one to that? You know, and it can be very humbling. And that is another, what I have found to be a very commonplace initiation, especially on the shamanic path. It can be for any spiritual path, but especially for the medicine path of, of shamanism specifically, I have found for the most part, you get very humbled. I... While my old world was collapsing, which was I was a national daytime TV show talk show host. I was a number one rated hip hop radio show morning host. I was a you know, previous national champion athlete. All of these quote unquote blitzy kind of glamorousy things, all of that was shutting down and I was sitting working in an effing juice shop in Soho taking people's juice orders sitting at a cash register people coming in sometimes recognizing me like you work here talk about and I worked there for like a year and a half or two years every single day and it might sound like like such a small thing but it was humbling on a very deep level every single day to take myself in to sit at a little cash register after accomplishing all of those other things that I just said and I'm like yeah, sitting in this like fancy part of Manhattan at a juice shop and um, at a cash register every day for almost two years, while I was allowing, you know, the other side. I was I was starting to guide the the shamanic events. My first one was like shamanic, harmonic, chakra clearing event at Namaste Bookshop in Manhattan. I'll never forget it. And um, you learn and you keep heeding the guidance, keep humbling yourself, keep embodying the work and you keep learning and you keep going and you keep feeling the fires and you keep feeling and you keep laying on the floor and slobber crying and you keep going and you get back up and then you feel really good. And, and it's just, but oftentimes in that first passageway, it can, it can be very <laughs> that.
0: Yeah. And I think with the, um with the juice shop example, it's like, there's no shame in working at a juice shop. Like you're it's like you're feeding people these like powerful medicine medicinal foods, but it's the ego's perception yes. of that. Yes. And when you have your ego identity as I'm on TV, I'm in radio. I'm actually this athlete. That's when like the shame comes in around any job, whether you're that or something else. It's like if our ego perceives something to be more value than the other, mm-hmm. then we perceive this certain job to be less
2: than. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think all of us have not all of us, but I think when we're going through our awakening, it's like I didn't find it to be scary because I knew for my whole life that everything was off. Mm. So I found it to be relieving. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. It was like I was like, you know, when you go through it and I was consuming and understanding the craziest, darkest things, but it felt like a relief to me. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, fuck, thank God because this is not right whatever is going on is not right. This is not, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. And we can all think about that. Like what makes sense about a lot of that goes on? Yeah. And so when I found out so much about it, I was like, oh, fuck.
2: And yeah. that's the beauty. And you hit the nail on the head because, okay, finding human roots for this. Because now you're on the path of truth And divine illumination, verse, denial, and illusion. So when, quote unquote, scarier things, like for me, one of the scariest things that I had to work through once the veil lifted was an ex's um, sex addiction. For some reason, that particular addiction felt particularly insidious and dark, just the body and the sex part, it just felt so scary. However, exactly what you just said, I was like, oh my God, this is finally that peace that I had been living in denial in for almost two decades, now I know what the, the thing was that felt off and creepy and what kept me. This is an interesting gem. Every single time that I had been intimate with my former partner, and we were together for almost two decades, every single time I had my eyes shut. I had my eyes closed because that deeper part of me knew if I opened my eyes, I was going to see something off, scary, dark. And to finally be able to connect, that's just one of the million dots that I was able to connect. But it's like, yeah, it's like a relief. Oh my God, I'm finally able to understand why i was feeling so much anguish so much suffering so much confusion i was in a codependent insane dance with someone who was suffering and had addiction issues and um yeah you start to learn to take responsibility for me i really had to take responsibility for the codependence piece for the total lack of self-worth and self-honor piece there i had to really watch my lane but but when the my point is when the the quote unquote scarier darker pieces come up they are illuminating and of divine and you start to learn that you can trust yourself to navigate anything and to feel whatever it is you need to feel and face whatever it is you need to face because you're on the other side and because you know you're supported. And so that's what makes it less scary and and totally of the freeing and liberation. Mm,
0: I'm so glad that you shared that because you know, I almost like sometimes I almost wanted to take my earphones off because I wanted to think about it a little bit longer. Because it was really, you know, not. Tr- it was just like it made me think about all the times that I've had sex and not made eye contact right. with someone. Actually, my eyes are watering, which is means it's very true for me. But and I think a lot of women can even think about that just as like a guide for us, mm. like when being in relationship or when having intimacy with someone. Like if you are not able to look into to their eyes. That's like, might be a good sign. Not that they are in the situation that you were in specifically, but I think it's a really telltale sign of like the safety you feel, of the intimacy you feel, because I could see the that situation happening to you because you have so much power and light, you know, something taking a lot of your chi, your energy, your life force, and really taking you off the path, which obviously made you a lot stronger. But I think that that was just, that's a very powerful example.
2: Yeah, and the eyes are the gateway to the soul. Yes, you especially know. when in intimacy. But yes, it's the most sacred, alchemically divine act that we as humans can have. Yeah, it doesn't get any more uh, powerful and, and sacred than that. And and so, yeah, it's actually something that I'm having at my age. You know, I'm 42 right now, and I'm just now learning how to be intimate with my eyes open at 42 years old. I could be better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So I've got time. Yeah, yeah I could be better. It's, but but yes, continue. It's it's just it's something that I have to make a very concerted effort, and you know my my partner Luke has to even remind me of because it's my it's my default. It's kind of all the only way I knew before was don't look, close your eyes, get mm-hmm. through it, mm-hmm. and. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, God bless him. He's just so like loving and cool and patient with it all. But he's, you know, has to remind me like, look up here. I'm up here. Wow. Open your eyes and I'll do it. And, and, and it like, and it feels right. And I'm totally, I'm totally safe with him. He's so incredibly such a master and such a King, but, I'll still find, like, I'll look for a little bit and then I'm like, and then it's like, I'm like, okay, I, I gotta practice. I gotta work my way up to like a full session yeah, here with like total connection. You're like,
0: open eyes for foreplay, okay? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm gonna work my way up. Yeah. I'm so happy for you and Luke.
2: Thank I'm you. I'm so happy. Thank I just, you.
0: and it's really beautiful to see the way you two sort of have evolved being together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, Luke is honestly, I've always said, is one of my favorite people.
1: Aww. Just
0: like, the childlike energy. And I just like anyone that's themselves, I love it's intoxicating to me. Same. I don't care what if I agree with you, I don't care if I don't. I people that are themselves are literally intoxicating to me. Yeah. And he has that energy. Yeah. That's like I'm always myself. And it's just so rare. At times,
2: yeah, you know, yeah, he is really, you know, I'm a bit partial, but mm-hmm. yeah. yes, yeah. he's very, he's a very special being, and um, yeah, our journey was a unique one. Um, yeah, we were friends for many years, and when we met, uh, he, we were not in a space of readiness at all to come together in sacred union. I was celibate for almost five years straight. He was celibate for almost two years, and we were both celibate at that time that we met both intentional yes got it and I was living in Brooklyn at the time he was living in LA so he had flown we were both speaking at the same event in New York and then he invited me to be on his podcast so the time I was on his show was the first time we met and I'm so glad it was recorded and and had video because it's hilarious to listen back it just you know was the first time he ever cried on his own show so he had this major heart opening and I was able to witness a man in the state that I had always been praying for, like a, a vulnerable, open um, ability to tune into their emotions, man. And so he, in hindsight, he has shared publicly before that um, he he knows that that was the moment he actually fell in love, but we weren't able to, to consciously be aware of that because we weren't ready. And so we were friends for about three and a half, almost four years. Before I had become by coastal for quite a while and on one of my LA trips, I didn't know that he had ended his um, previous relationship and I was very happy for him. I actually gave him advice when he asked for it a couple of times and I was like really proud that he was in that experience that he had been wanting. And um, didn't know that it ended and met up for tea. And then he shared with me that that had ended a bit ago. And then he shared, he's like, I don't know if you're aware. It was a whole thing because he moved across the table to like the other side and was repositioning himself. And and I was like, what is he doing? I was very aware of this like thing that was happening. And then he kind of, you know, changed his uh, energetics and demeanor and sat up a little bit differently and dialed into me differently and said, You know, I don't know if you know this, Allison, but I've, you know, always been interested in you and I'd really like to take you on a date. And I was just, my brain kind of short circuited a bit. It was so sweet and beautiful. You're like, you're
0: saying this directly to me in my proximity and not via text?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, yes, for, for one. And for two, I just... I really didn't know that, and um, so my brain was think I was thinking to myself as he was talking: "Is am I making this up? Am I really hearing what he's saying?" And I was a bit gobsmacked, um, and then I got nervous that that if we did go on a date, because I really loved him, and even his friends, I had always said to him, "Like I love you," because I, I, I love Luke and. I got scared that if we did start to date and one liked the other one more than the other, or if there wasn't the right sexual chemistry and things got weird, he didn't have any of those fears for some reason, but I had to work through those. And then once I opened myself up to that new river, oh my Lord, it, it was all God got us from there. It was lightning bolt speed, fast track, divine, sacred union, you know, we were spiritually married in a teepee before we even slept together, before we even decided we were a couple. We had not, it was our like second or third date. We had not even had the full conversation of like, we're together. And the next thing you know, we're in ceremony being married in a teepee. We got married before we were a couple and before we slept together, which I love, you know. I'm obsessed with it's that. And it was,
0: it's so weird when I saw you guys, I was like, I saw his ring. I'm like, I did I miss the wedding? <laughs> yeah. And I knew there was yeah. something magical. I was like, I know there's something magical, but I yeah. must have missed the wedding. But all of your work to bring like oh, God. to bring you to, to I mean, I think that's even like a whole nother like world that we could go into, but I know that's something that Lindsay and I were talking about before this because mm-hmm. I was talking to her. I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Allison. She's like, you have to ask about Luke and their like divine union. Phew. I know. So
2: much it almost i'm almost purging like i I, the the vomit is like chest it's high heart high even thinking about how much work i put in and he put in for us to get into a place of i'm sovereign he's sovereign readiness for us to come together (sighs) not for the faint of heart and of course like if we can do it anyone can do it but it's full on a lot i mean years i I, yeah years i um like i said i was celibate for almost a full five-year stretch um by by choice you know and and it actually wasn't all that hard there were moments that were tough and i was just like oh my gosh but at that point my self-honor and self-love and self-respect had grown to such an immense embodied level that i literally was to the point where i i could not allow myself to be penetrated or in union with anyone who i knew couldn't fully see me on a soul level so even though it was like a little bit hard physically sometimes with like hormones and my body i was one of those women where at a certain certain 30 something age i did get that switch get flicked on where my body did want to ha- bear a child and and um it's funny, this is really graphic and probably TMI, but it just took me to a funny memory. On one of Luke's bi-coastal trips to New York, so anytime one of us would go to the other coast, we'd catch up over tea or whatever. And when he went to New York on one trip, this is when we're friends, not at all what we are now. And we we're at the hotel uh, restaurant, just grabbing tea. And he was like, you know, what's the latest? And I can't use, the, the, the real languaging would be way too graphic to say but in essence and i can't kind of can't even believe i'm sharing this but i and this was when that switch was on and my body was like wanting to make a baby <laughs> and i basically was like well what the latest for me is is like i need your
0: legs are currently
2: spread yeah everyone's we'll legs <laughs> are spread yeah we're hanging <laughs> so you know needing the um elixir is the <laughs> nicest way. I need the sacred elixir in me and I need it now. And like, we laugh about that now because of course, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, of course, he would be the one guy friend that I told that to because mm. on a soul level, I, I I knew this is my person. So all those years ago, I was even telling him like, get on in here. Let's make a baby.
0: He's like, I just like asked how you were. You're yeah. like, give me the sacred elixir. Yeah. Yeah
2: we're at starbucks i tell you what i need literally how are you Sacred elixir (gasps) oh my
0: god just on that like there's a lot of women in our community that are in relationships where they feel like the men or the masculine partner is not as spiritual as them yeah or on the path and i know that's what's beautiful about you and luke and luke is like the most open Mm -hmm. you know it's it's so powerful. But what ad, like what advice would you give them? And what have you seen in Luke that has been so healing for you as oh. like a
2: divine feminine? Mm, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll start there first. What he provides is just so much, but just a couple of the examples. Previously, before Luke, I always felt the insecurities of men and the egos of men because they had not healed themselves, put in the inner work um, to in really any capacity. Um, so they were insecure about and intimidated often by my divine power and my fullness of, of my gifts and just who I am, mind, body, spirit, soul. And so in many different ways, um, in very unhealthy, dysfunctional at times, abusive ways, they would do anything in their power to um, make me feel off or insecure or scared or uh, like I needed to hide or shroud my power light and abilities in order to maintain that codependent relationship and to not make them go away because we don't we can't have them leave and you know um and all of that dysfunctional dance so once i began to awaken i knew kind of top of list for me is i needed someone who had healed enough to where i i just i have to be in full expression and my humanness and my shamanness. And whatever it is on Monday, Friday, Tuesday, 12, 1, 3, whatever minute of any day at any time, whatever I am, I want to be in freedom to be that and to be able to express that in safe space. And that is not, it takes a certain kind of someone to be able to hold that container, to be able to hold that level of safe space. And that's something that he does so masterfully. And, you know, he does it. Every single day, he has never faltered and being able to hold this massive safe container for me to be fully expressed. And I also love, that he also doesn't get all ego and insecure. He loves to see me in my power and to shine. He loves to, um, you know, and I'm not trying to generalize or, you know, I love men, I love men. But what I've noticed is when you're in a gathering and let's say it's equal parts men or women, I tend to find oftentimes the spotlights and the conversation tend to get pulled over into like what this guy is doing, this guy's book and this guy's podcast. And it tends to like get pulled off the women and their magnificence and starts to like get pulled over to to the male side. And, um, or if you're at a dinner party and um, let's say that three of the people are like brand new to the person hosting and one of them is women and two of the new, three new people are men. I noticed that like the male host will, if, if there's someone that has the ability to ask questions about someone else at all. It tends first things first to go to the man, like you know what, and and just for some reason there tends to be this dynamic of the women being just kind of ignored. And I have no problem, like you know, when I feel called, I, I sometimes get amused by it, and I can sit and just be fascinated by those dynamics for a while. But then I start to get bored and look at the plants in the restaurant. I'm like, oh boy, how much longer is this dinner of this, you know? Um, thing but what Luke does is I just I love he's so proud of me and I don't ask him to do this but he'll just out of nowhere be like so Allison is you know doing this and just did this and the other day at her altar she was you know I don't know and he's he just I just love that he is not in his ego and he loves to see me in my full power and my full light. So um and he does uh, so much. He's just so tender and even if I cuz I can get a little feisty and I'm not faulting myself for that and I'm aware, you know, when I when I'm getting getting feisty, I I'm like, "Oh, I'm getting feisty." But he lets me be feisty. And he'll just lean in. He leans in. He doesn't get defensive. He doesn't shut down. He doesn't run away from it. He leans in every time and he'll say, and what else, honey? Wow. And is there anything else you need to say, honey? And he doesn't say it condescending. Like he's truly fascinated by the state that I'm in. And he just wants me to feel safe and he wants me to feel fully expressed. I didn't know. I prayed that that was possible, but I didn't know that. I I thought, okay, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I prayed that it was possible. And I thought of 7 billion, somewhere there's got to be at least two men. Because at this point, I had done so many devoted years of healing. I was so far and deep on the path that I thought it's going to take a really, it's going to take a very specific, certain kind of man, but there's got to be at least two and so i prayed to somehow align with one of these two and somehow you know and i'm sure there's more and again i'm not you know i love men and we're all beautiful but like i somehow won the lottery and you know found found luke in this way and so for women who are in relationships where their their propensity is a bit more spiritual than the male partner you know i don't you know there there doesn't need to be anything wrong with that um, as long as I think the stipulation always is from my perspective that the man needs to if if he is not um, necessarily interested in it and it's not a way of life that he wants to necessarily lean into he needs to at bare minimum hold a true level of respect and willingness and true openness for you to continue to flourish and expand and evolve as much and as far and as wide and as deep-rooted down as your soul and being feels called to. So, as long as He is willing to allow you to infinitely evolve and respect what you're doing, even if you're Donging weird instruments and channeling a strange light language, and maybe you're, you know, going with a group of friends to Sedona to call in the UFOs. Like, even if all of that feels not of interest to him, if he's like, "Have a great time, honey," yes, and he means it, then great. Yes, yeah, it's the not, not
0: they're not shaming,
2: The not yeah. questioning. Is
0: powerful. It is interesting, you know you talking about that experience at that at a dinner with men where it's kind of the focus on men. I always say, I'm like, there's some men that I'm with that treat me like a person. Yeah. And there's some that treat you like a woman in a like condescending way. Yeah. And I've noticed that with friends, boyfriends,
2: where mm. I'm like, oh, they
0: treat me as like a person that they want to know rather than like a friend's, like a girlfriend's friend. Yes. You know, where it's almost like, okay, can't be, And they just treat you like an equal. And I do feel like Luke has that. And he also has the play factor. Yeah. Play is major. Yeah, In my relationship, that's like the biggest medicine is play. Mm -hmm. Like just there's so much levity to the joy of us together that I just appreciate so
2: much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would second that. And that's something that's really um, steadfast in our chemistry and union as well as, yeah, we're... And he... He said a lot once we started to date and then quickly we're married. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> date three days. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. He, he reflected a lot, especially early on. He's like, I never knew how goofy you were oh. and just how silly. And he, he loved that side of me because in previous Um, Dynamics. I mean, yeah, there was that one conversation where I was needing the elixir, but (laughs) other than that, it was more like we were on panels together and giving talks, and I was more my business hat and suit on, and um, you know, more in that professional setting. So once he started to get me in this, get to know me in this other way, he's just like, oh my god, we have so much fun, and he's also silly and goofy, and we laugh so much, and that medicine to have that, Mm -hmm. especially now to know that you've got someone to be silly and laugh with every day is big Mm -hmm. saving grace yeah that's
0: why I'm always like whenever we're laughing I'm like oh this is the point yeah like this is the point you know this is the most spiritual thing that I could be doing right now and Mm -hmm. I'm so reminded of that with Justin you know when I'm too in caught up in like I've got to do this I've got to do this kind of the monotony of either the practice or work. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the Mm tossing of where it's like breaks me out of that is just so healing. And so, but I've had to honestly allow myself to get to that point because before I would resist, I'd be like, no, no, stop. Like, we're not going to play now. We're going to play later. Mm -hmm. And that's been like such a, such a, like a purpose that I've made where I'm like, oh, I need to play when he wants to play. Great. Right. Because it just breaks me out of it, the feminine. Last question, because I know we, we could honestly, we'll have our next session <laughs> about sacred relationships. Um, I think it's incredibly fascinating that the book was going to be about surrender. Right. right. I, and it's so weird because I've known you and I'm like, and when I saw the book, I was like, oh yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, yes. Like, it's just as like, so. Right. And it's like, surrender will be the second or something, but it's like, this couldn't be anything but your book.
2: The Animal Power book? Yes. Yeah, yes. No, I totally agree with you. Yes, so the little short, funny story with that is that, um, yeah, so my book journey, and I always like to share this and be honest because I think it could be helpful um, because I know there's a lot of people who know they have books inside of them. And um, for me, I was always a very strong writer ever since I was a little girl. So I always knew I would be an author and write many books. But then when I got dialed into my calling, have been doing that long enough. Well, then, you know, the literary agents started to reach out and some publishers started to reach out. And so while I was living in New York, I was taking all these meetings and it's like no matter what publisher or agent I was meeting with, and they were all lovely and great and smart, I could not for the life of me figure out at all what the effing book was. And this went on for at least three years. And talk about just like having to lean back and surrender and trust the divine timing i was getting there were times where i was frustrated and you know i'm am a capricorn and i do have a lot of ambitious tendencies so i would see you know like sahara or other friends like cranking out book three four you know just like cranking them out cranking them out as i'm sitting there like twiddling my thumbs or so it seemed Um, but yet the deeper and bigger part of me knew that to just to trust but then finally um, step one in getting into clarity was finding the right uh, agent team. That was a very important step for me. And then in my conversation with them, yeah, the concept of writing the the working title at the time was Soul Surrender. Forget the the byline, but um, yeah, Soul Surrender. And it was because, like I shared, that was the biggest um, powerful decision I made. I was like, you know, this is this is the gateway. You know, if you start from this place. You should be pretty golden if you truly, if you truly do it and fully live from surrender. You're going to be good to go. It's important subject matter, and I, you know, we, I started the proposal, started writing the book. Everybody's on board. Flew to Bali to to start writing more in depth on. Soul surrender. And while I was there, I think it was the first morning that I woke up in Bali. I wasn't even in like a shamanic journey or full meditation. I just went outside. I mean, this is Bali for you too, because it's literally heaven on earth. Heaven's like anchored there. You don't have to like access anywhere to access. You know what I mean? You don't have to, it's just there. And um, I just was outside with my tea. And I think I just closed my eyes for a second to just enjoy the taste and the warmth of the tea. And literally, Hundreds, if not thousands of power animals were there and they were all like, hey girl, uh, nice idea and all, but that's not your book. And we're asking you to write a new modern day power animals guidebook with us and I live by the calls. I truly, I can honestly say that I live by the divine calls. And I knew right away, I'm like, I can't ignore this. And even though after I felt so relieved after all these years to finally be writing this book, that's not the book. So then I had to email my agents and I'm like, uh, hey guys, you know, I live by the calls and I really hope you're on board because I can no longer write Soul Surrender. I now am supposed to write this um modern day guidebook and thank God they were on board. But I just love that the starting point, the birthplace, the foundational first brick of animal power was born from the animals who I had so devotedly worked with at that point for over a decade. They were the first guides who came in to save my life after that awakening moment. We had developed such a trust in each other at that point. And the fact that they came to me and they're like, this is what we're doing and that it started from that medicine place just makes it all the more special. And I mean, how perfect, surrender. Yeah.
0: It's like surrender, like your book message Yes, was like
2: surrender. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like like the 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 book already wrote itself and was already published and then put me on a book number two, which is Animal Power. totally. Uh, Which is,
0: yeah, I think and there's a beauty like of the our conversation. It's like so much is answering the call.
2: Mm-hmm. Like so much
0: of it is like with your, with your awakening, with Luke, with the book, like with your messages, like with your ability to read people. Yeah. It's like answering the call, checking in with yourself a lot. And I think that's like such a powerful gift that I think a lot of women, we could all really learn from and heed to.
2: Yeah, and- you know, and it and it does get easier. I, I mean I've been doing it enough where it, it doesn't feel challenging at all. In fact, it's like my favorite thing about life is like, what's the next divine instruction? I have no idea where I'm gonna be sent tomorrow or what what download I'm gonna be given. And sometimes there's phases of long, bizarro voids, like there was a two and a half, three quarter year, so almost three year passageway where I had already been out in a big way as a shaman, you know, in New York, get just innately organically getting tons of really big press and my name out there, you know, people really starting to feel my energy, get to know me, um, how I do my work and, um, you know, out there, And I was given the instruction to cease all events, to cease all talks. And that talks and events were how it was all functioning up until that point. And I thought... Uh, okay, well, I will listen to this and I will honor and I will heed this. However, I'm living on my own in the most expensive city in the world. So uh, if you can kick in some sort of uh, idea on how I can still make a living with ceasing all the ways I was making a financial living, I am certainly game. So, you you know, I did honor that. But I, I will just quickly say that when I answered that call, I did not know how long at all the not doing events, not being out with my work, not giving any talks would be. I didn't know if it would be for a month or for the rest of my life, but I trusted and I answered it. And yes, there were times you know, where certain invitations would come in or um, just that sense or that feeling of like, am I just going to be forgotten? Am I going to be left behind? Is anyone going to know who I am anymore? If if I ever am supposed to come back out with the work, am I just going to be a forgotten about like spiritual leader? You know, there were those things that would somehow get drudged up um, and there were a couple of times where I might have just like slightly been enticed, like if a certain talk invitation came in that felt big or whatever, but I knew I never, ever gave in. I never reverted back to go against that divine instruction. And I held that line for almost three full years and once all of the collapsing and breaking down of the old paradigm ways in me that needed to be dropped and fully released so that the new paradigm way in me could be born. Once that entire process that took almost three years was complete, I felt the new energetic system go to my backside and start to push very clearly on my back and literally like energetically started to push me forward signaling to me, Now it is safe. The process has been complete. Now you you can begin to put yourself out there again. But I had some friends, I won't name names, but that are also like really well-known spiritual teachers who after the three years when I started to just slowly, when guided come a bit out in the world again, they were like, girl, I didn't know what to say to you during that time. I didn't know what was going on with you. I didn't know if you were crazy or not, but I knew... I knew it was a bizarre chapter, but I knew to trust and I knew to hold that line. And I'm so glad because that time, yes, it took almost three years and it was a little fearful and challenging at times, but it, I would not be this embodied, anchored, landed in, guide, human person, whatever we want to call me that I am today had I not devoted to that time. I, yeah, I trust myself and um, and how I operate, and uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd be to this level of trust had I not done had mm. I not done that.
0: And it's almost you know the the kind of wilder the call the more of the call it is because mm-hmm. it's like oh I I I want to be out yeah <laughs> you know what I mean so much of the calls that I've had as well it's like oh no it's easier for me to not do this. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always say with people. It's like when we're listening to our intuition, it's not easy always. It's Mm -hmm. not like this man at the bar is going to be the love of your life and you're going to go off together. It's it's sometimes actually the hardest thing to hear. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh no, not that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It makes you lean into the precise medicine that you have to embody. Like if you're, my intention, you know, I am not perfect and I've never claimed to be and, you know, I, I honor and very aware of a lot of my human tendencies, and if we want to, I don't even want to call them flaws, but just mm-hmm. being human. Um, but uh, let me find my my train of thought again, one second. So even with my humanness, I don't know that it's going to come back in. But but a lot of those a lot of those divine calls don't make logical sense yes. or brain sense or intellectual mind <laughs> human sense. Um but that's yeah if you if you really lean into those that's that's really where all the all the magic is. Yeah. Yes,
0: completely. Okay. The book. I know we <laughs> talked about it a little bit, but just tell them where they can get it, tell them what they can expect. It's so beautiful.
2: Thank you. It's
0: so beautiful.
2: Thank you so much. I'm, I am really, really proud of it. It was a very initiatory process for me. You know, like I said, it's a living, breathing medicine book. Um, So I definitely, it uh, was quite a voyage, um, you know, and I worked on it for almost four years. And uh, yeah, so I'm very, very proud of it. But uh, yeah, it's available anywhere books are sold, but you can specifically go to my website which is allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And I spell Allison a little differently. It's A-L-Y-S-O-N. So allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And if you go there, um, after you get it, there's just a little form on that landing page where you can uh, put your information. And if you pre-order, you'll get a free video guided shamanic journey so that you can... Go and save space into the other realms, and we call forward the power animal who most wants to empower your life at the time. So, before any shamanic journey, you set an intention. That's the most important piece.
0: Thank you so much, Allison. Again, that was Allison Charles, and the book is Animal Power. And you can find more information
1: about her on her website, allisoncharles.com. And thank you to all of our sponsors for this episode, just bringing you brands and products that we love and use ourselves. Thank you to Issue, Daily Harvest, Element, Sugar Break, and Beekeepers Naturals. You can find all discounts in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Just scroll down to partners. Thank you all for listening and we will see you on the next one. See you soon.